0: hello my amazing mompreneurs welcome back to the mompreneur guide podcast before we hop into today's episode i wanted to hop in with a quick reminder that we are just a few days away from the connect retreat i am so excited to connect with the amazing mompreneurs who are going to be there To help them better connect with themselves, with each other, and with their communities, and just have a really good time in my hometown. Now, if you want to get in on this fun that we are about to have, there is one seat left to join us in Sugar Falls, but there is also a virtual ticket option. So you can join us, listen in on a private podcast to hear all that we talk about get to connect with the other women who are there virtually, and then also get a one-on-one strategy session from me so you get that support that you would have had if you could make it in person. I would love to be able to support you in whatever way works best for you. So make sure you head to the slash retreat before things are up so that you can snag your seat. Now let's hop into today's episode. Hello, my amazing mompreneurs. Welcome back to the Mompreneur Guide podcast. I am so excited because today I have my friend with me, Nikki Ong on, and she is not only an SEO strategist and blogging expert, but she's also a mom to an incredible three-year-old son, a wife to an amazing hubby, a fitness and nutrition enthusiast, an author-to-be, which I'm excited to learn more about that, a red wine lover, a Scorpio and an eternal optimist. So one could say that she's (laughs) multi-passionate. Nikki and I met on Instagram and honestly, I don't remember how anymore, but she has since become a good friend who keeps me on my SEO and blogging a game. And after her Instagram live on why blogging is pointless, without SEO, we knew we had to take the conversation further because there was only so much we could get into in the 15 minutes on Instagram. So I am so excited to continue this conversation, Nikki, but before we do that, can we start off with your mompreneurship story? Tell us where you started and how you got to where you are today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you, Megan, for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Um, I just love you and you're amazing ladies. So thank you. You're so sweet. Um, so my story began, gosh, back in 2011, when I moved to Florida, kind of on a whim in my 20s and thought that I could make a life here. Cut to, I ended up getting phased out of my job because I was able to work remotely and I started my business, mm-hmm. which at the time was called Red Vine Web Studio back in 2013. And I was pumping along doing SEO blogging, copywriting, all that good stuff. And then my husband and I decided to have our son and we got pregnant. And as it was getting closer, I was uh, interviewing daycares and just getting a sense of what life would look like after he was born, right? Because owning my own business, I knew I wasn't going to have any maternity leave. So I was trying to prepare for that. And then I was trying to prepare myself mentally for daycare and childcare. And then my husband looked at me one day and said, why don't you just stay home with him and work? And it had never occurred to me as a possibility ever. And so I started feverishly talking to my friends that I knew stayed home with their kids, either full-time or part-time, and just tried to get an idea of what it looked like, because I just had no concept of it, um, whether it was schedule or just logistics or anything. And so I got some answers, but it was still really, really hard as I'm sure it is for so many moms at first, let alone the newborn stage, mm-hmm. but just figuring out life, figuring out your business and your baby. It's just a lot all at once. And so um, I did it and I just went for it and kind of learned along the way. And I cut to three years later now have, I think, finally figured it out, right. (laughs) Or as much as it can be figured out and feel like I have a really good balance of staying at home with him and my business. And what is amazing to me is that the year I, um, the year before I had him, so like 2018, 2019, I am actually working half as much now and making over twice as much as I was then, which just blows my mind that that was even possible, um, which is so cool. And I think just amazing. (laughs) I'm amazed by it.
0: I love that. And I think that is such an interesting thing that you realize when you become a mompreneur. I know I've said this multiple times on the podcast and I don't care because it still blows my mind. I think about what I did before I had kids sitting at my desk, I would sit from like eight in the morning until like six at night. What in the world was I doing? Like I when you- I
1: think the same thing. I'm like, what, what did I do? What did I do? <laughs> what did, um, I, did
0: I just scroll Facebook the whole time? Like I don't yeah. even understand what I did with my I, time, but that's the thing. Like your your priority shifts, everything shifts when you become a mom. And I now find I work better on a tighter schedule. Now we have the kids going to daycare two days a week So it's like two full days and before I had three half days and I liked it better to have that time crunch versus like the full day sometimes because you just have too much time on your hands. And I think that's part of the beauty of mompreneurship is it forces you to focus on what truly matters and cut the fluff and just, yeah, focus on what lights you up and what actually moves the needle forward. And so I love hearing that you had that same experience as well. Okay, you're also going to have to tell me when was your son born? 2019. uh, February 25th. Okay. Great. Okay. Just slightly older than Jack. I know that I knew that they were super close in age, um, which I love. So I love hearing too, that like you just went all in. You just followed your passion and you were already in the entrepreneur space, but then you flipped into the mompreneur space. And I know that since you've adjusted a little bit from your web studio into what you're doing now, is that correct?
1: Yes. So I failed to mention that sort of along that Three-year journey of being a mom that I also rebirthed my business, so it's now called Simple Sprout Studio. Sim- for a lot of different reasons. Um, a lot of it I have basically trimmed the fat. So we used to do um, web design, development, and I would project manage those product projects, as well as SEO, blogging, and copywriting, which is my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. I realized project management is not my love. I will do it. It's somewhat enjoyable. I love helping our clients, you know, have a beautiful website, but at the end of the day, my passion lies with SEO and blogging and copywriting. And so I sort of rebirthed the business last year, um, pushing a year and a half ago to Simple Sprout, because I love the idea of, I know you do too, of making things simple. And I just love the idea of growth and the idea that it doesn't all need to be so hard, especially when it comes to digital marketing, when it comes to SEO and blogging and copywriting. It just doesn't need to be so hard. So
0: my mission is to make things simple. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I love our joint agreement in simplifying because I know that was one of the many reasons and what ways that we connected when we first met. Because it's so true. Like life is already hard enough. Like let's why do we don't need to make it any harder? Let's keep it simple. And I know that the way that you view SEO and why you feel that it is so important is because it makes our life simpler. So let's talk about that. Let's start off with why SEO should become the backbone of all of your digital marketing efforts. Why is that so important and why does it make our life more simple?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So The reason I love search engine optimization, and when I, when we talk in this conversation about SEO, I just want to be really clear that we're talking about organic SEO and not anything paid that you would see on Google or so Google ads. Nothing paid as far as social ads, certainly, or anything like that. I'm talking about organic search engine optimization. So, everything that we can do to rank higher in the search engine. So, Google, which I'll say often because most of us use Google, Mm -hmm. and Yahoo and Bing and all the others. And SEO, as many, I'm sure, listeners know, SEO is everything that we can do to rank higher using on and off our website tactics. I specialize in a lot of on page because we have more control over that, obviously. And I, tend to think that off-page optimization like link building and things like that are more of a long-term strategy that again, we don't have a lot of control over. Um, The reason that I love using SEO as sort of the backbone of all my efforts, all my clients' efforts is because a lot of SEO is finding the right keywords or the same keywords that your target audience is typing into Google. Because the reality is, is that if they're typing it into Google, they're also asking it aloud. They're also searching for hashtags on social media. They're also paying attention to emails that use those keywords. They're also searching for videos on YouTube. They're also you know, using them in everyday language. So it just extends past your website or your blog. When you know the right words to use, the possibilities are endless. And I think that SEO is truly the backbone because, as we talked about in our our live discussion, the website and your blog should always be the hub that you're bringing people back to. And I think starting with a good foundation there of SEO so that you're already ranking well, you're already doing well in the search engines, you're already opening yourself up to good opportunities to be found having that good foundation means that if tomorrow Mark Zuckerberg decides to shut down Facebook and Instagram, you'll be okay. If your email platform goes down, you'll be okay. If YouTube closes up, you'll be okay. You know? So I think having that space that is just your own on the internet and making sure it's good in good standing in the search engines has to be where we
0: start. Mm -hmm. I think it's so smart and it just sparked that thought in my head. And I'm not sure if you have any knowledge in it because i know i don't but this conversation about owning things has been coming up a lot especially with like the nft space which i just have barely heard about have you heard about nfts and all of that no, okay not. so we'll have i'll have somebody who's an nft expert come on at some point yeah. because the the concept roughly as i know it it's this like web 3.0 if you heard it in that space either
1: A little bit. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
0: So that I think they go hand in hand. I really don't know much, but the concept of it is that like you own the things. And so then people can, you can buy anything. Like people could buy your blog post or people could buy any piece of content that you put out because you own it. Whereas like on an Instagram or something, you don't own it. And so like, I don't know. I don't think the NFTs work on that. Clearly I do not know a lot about it, but we'll have to look into that yeah yeah we'll have to we'll we'll figure it out and then we'll share more but I think the point of it is if that's like the next horizon is that web 3.0 and all about like you being the creator and you get to own your stuff you want to start thinking about that now like where are the spaces that we can start to actually own it and and how can we set ourselves up for success even long term and even when we have no idea (laughs) what this new horizon looks like but we know for sure that we cannot own it in a space that that doesn't belong to us. And so that's what I love about this conversation. And I love what you're saying too. And I can't wait to dive in it, into it more about keywords because it's like that the word is in the full word key. The keywords are key here. And it's like the key to unlocking the magic. And I think it's not only something that's so helpful in allowing us to organically rank, as I'm sure you could talk about, but then it expands into the rest of our strategy, right? Because once we know what they're looking for, then it will guide the new content that we make. And it just brings everything more into alignment. Would you say that's true? Absolutely. I mean, even the way
1: that people self-identify, I notice even you, I hope this is okay to say, I noticed that you use variations of like mompreneur and mom entrepreneur, because a lot of people use mompreneur, but it's not necessarily like a given these days. A lot of women are still learning. I mean, three years ago, I was still learning what it was. I was like, what in the world is this? Um, And I think just getting on the same wavelength as the people that you're talking to brings you that much closer. Because if you're using two different languages, you cannot communicate, period. You cannot create content of any kind. My favorite example of this is years and years ago, like pushing 15 years ago when I first started doing SEO. One of our clients was a plastic surgeon and he wanted a page on the website around nose jobs, but he kept using rhinoplasty. He was like, I want to rank for rhinoplasty. And I'm like, that's not what people are searching for. They're searching for nose job or make my nose smaller or you know, reshape my nose. Even mm-hmm. they're not searching for rhinoplasty. They're just not. And so you have to use the same language as your customer and keyword research is a great place to start for that.
0: So let's talk about that because between your copywriting background and then of course your SEO background, I'm really curious. I think that that is a space that I always struggle with is like how I'm very process oriented. So how do I meet people with what they're actually looking for and what they're actually thinking and like get down to where they're at in their journey? So talk to us about how you do keyword research and where are you finding these keywords that people are actually using? Yeah. So the
1: good news, first of all, is that you can add it into your process. And I'm, I, I am very process oriented too, especially as a mompreneur. I think that we have to establish these habits. Otherwise they just poof are gone (laughs) Because it's chaos. (laughs) So exactly. So I like to keep it simple. There's tons and tons of keyword research tools out there. I think similar to like social media management tools at the end of the day, a lot of them do the same thing. Find out what you like is the best advice for that. Cause essentially you're getting very similar information from many of them. My current favorite keyword research tool is called Uber suggest. And I think you can actually go to ubersuggest.com. And It's a Neil Patel tool. He's an infamous SEO expert and is just brilliant. And so he put together this tool, which there's a free version, and then you can upgrade. You can do like $29 a month, or you can buy it outright forever for like $290 period, which was a no brainer. But the great part about it is that you can do any number of things on it. You can do anything from a site audit, which I'll do for clients on there. So it'll basically check your SEO health and that foundation that I was talking about. It gives you kind of your baseline of how authoritative your website is, how much domain authority you have. So how strong is it to begin with? That will give you an idea of rough SEO measurements as far as it goes from zero to 100. A great place to be is right in the middle, like 40 to 60 is kind of an average domain authority. If you're a lot lower, we got to do a lot of work. Those tend to be like brand new websites. And then obviously how closer to hundred you are, which would be like a google.com, you know, Mm -hmm. you're, you're just outranking everyone basically at that point, but that gives you a good basis. And then the other thing the SEO audit will do is give you a line by line recommendations for how you can boost your SEO. So that's one thing. The other thing is the keyword research part. My process is to start off with an idea. So let's say one of my blogging clients is an insurance company, not a super sexy topic by any means, but we can do a whole lot with it. So I might start with a very, very general search like car insurance or auto insurance. What it's going to do is give me lots of different ideas for those terms. So let's say I put in auto insurance, it's going to give me variations. So like car insurance and car insurance, Florida, since I'm in Florida, or, you know, how much does car insurance cost? And then I start to sort of gain ideas as I'm going down through this list. The other thing it gives you is how many people on average on a monthly basis search for that term and how competitive it is. It will give you numbers for both SEO organic search and paid search as well. So you can actually see, you know, how competitive would this be if I did want to run ads and how competitive is it if I'm just ranking organically, which is really cool to have. The other information, I mean, there's so much information out there, but related to keywords, it will also show you who's ranking in the top 10 for each one of those terms. So then you start to get an understanding. A lot of the keyword conversation is about intent. And I think this is where a lot of people miss out. So if I'm searching for how to create a podcast, I might be a DIYer, right? Because I'm just looking for like free, basic information. But if I'm looking for podcast creation services, I'm in a whole different ballpark because now I'm looking to pay someone. And so I know a lot of your ladies are Mm service-based. So just out of the gate, when you're talking about optimizing your website, Bar none, you're going to want to include the word services. So it's crystal clear that we're talking about paid services. So I basically get this big list of keywords, anything that would apply to the business that I'm working for. I I gather them all up. And then what I do is I take each one that applies to a certain page and get really specific for each page, because I want you to think of when we're talking about websites, not blogs yet but specifically websites, I want you to think of each page as its own opportunity to rank well. So when we're talking about a homepage versus a services page, those are two very different things. A homepage should be very, very general. It should kind of talk about services, but it's also gonna be talking about like your freebie and your downloads and a whole bunch of stuff. If someone's searching for your services, however, that those pages are going to be very specifically targeted to that intent. Someone looking for services they want to pay you. If someone's on your freebie page, that's very specific to like a how to, or top tips, or, you know, certainly the word freebie and download and all of that good stuff. My goal always for anyone is to make it super, super easy for someone to find exactly what they need on your website as quickly as possible. So by optimizing each of those pages for the user's intent using keywords, you're gonna get them there faster. Because I would, if someone's searching for services, I do
0: not want them to land on your homepage. I want them to land on that services page. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I think a key thing that you're saying here is the intention. And I'm all about being like intentional with business, just like personally as a mompreneur, I think it's so important, but I can see how that applies into the strategy of what is their intent. And then also let's be intentional about what you're doing. If you're going to take the time to do it, let's see how we can do it in the best way that we know how right now. And so I'm really curious to know, it's like you've got this big list of keywords and you've started to look and just kind of uncover what works well. And I'm assuming too, you play into hearing what your customers are saying and maybe typing that in to have additional fodder as well. But talk to us about the difference that you've seen. I think that's always interesting to hear. A client who comes to you before they've done the SEO And a client who has seen and finished working with you or has this new stuff in place, what is the difference like, and how quickly of a turnaround do you see? Is it a long game? Is it a short-term game? What are we looking at here?
1: Yeah, sure. I was actually just doing this the other day because I was updating my portfolio for a new client. So I was running some new numbers and it seriously, it blows me out of the water sometimes. When you first launch SEO, there's typically a lot of big changes often there's going to be a lot of changes to the copy specifically. And when that happens, if it's an existing website, the search engines kind of look at it and say, this is really different than when we were here last time. We're going to hold off on this a little bit. They'll drop you in rankings until they sort of figure you out. And then once they've sort of come back to say, okay, this is what we thought it was, you'll typically come back up that I often see like a month out and then we have a little dip and then we pop back up and then it's, it's sort of like an increasing slope between two to three months. So typically what I see in that three month period by about three months on average, I see about a 300% increase in organic search traffic within three months. And that's sort of the average. Sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less I will say in general for clients that also have a blog, it's even higher because there's so many more opportunities to be found for so many different search terms. Mm -hmm. And so with the keyword research, as you go through that process, you inevitably come up with really amazing ideas for blog fodder or podcasts or social media, because there's just naturally going to be so many things that come up. And yes, to your point, you absolutely use what people talk to you about, customers, friends, family, anybody that would be your target audience, definitely talk to them prior to doing keyword research because it will only help the process.
0: Mm -hmm. I think that is, I mean, 300% within three months. That is amazing. And I think the other key to think about there too is as a more experienced mompreneur, it's like, that's a way to put kerosene on the fire of what you're doing. Because it's one thing to have that traffic increase, but then you need to be able to convert that. And do you have the other foundational... pieces in place that you are ready to convert that? Do you have a freebie that you know is tried and true? Do you have services that you're lit up to to serve on and all of those things? Would you say that the people who are most poised for success are people who have, you know, gotten through that messy beginning of their business already, and then they're ready to really take it to that next level? Absolutely. I mean, the people that succeed far more often are
1: absolutely the ones that have that call to action. They're ready to help people take that next step. They already know how to sort of bridge the gap. And that's a lot of of how I help people too that don't have existing calls to action that are strong enough to convert people. Because yeah, I can get people to come to your website all day long, but I can't necessarily keep them there unless there's a reason. And that's a great point because if there's not a compelling reason to keep people there or to keep them coming back for more, you've lost them. The current statistic is if your website takes longer than two seconds to load, people are gone. I mean, it's insane. We have such short attention spans and we have to capture people with the right keywords and with a compelling call to action.
0: I think that's so interesting. And the other thing that you mentioned that was really interesting was that drop in rankings, which I actually didn't know about that. But yeah. what I thought was interesting that it, it sparked the question for me of, does that mean we should update our websites less? I know I go in and like dabble and tweak things all of the time. And it made me think like, Ooh, do I need to just like set it and forget it for a while or more, or do a few little words, not make a difference. It's like the full overhaul that changes things. Yeah.
1: That's a great question. The full overhaul. Definitely. But I do ask people to sort of allow that initial overhaul to take its time to sort of, you know, marinade and let the search engines figure out what's going on because when there's a big change it could just as easily be bought by another company and you know it's completely different it's a completely new company and that's why there is that drop so they can figure things out uh, a couple words here and there is definitely not going to hurt adding new content like for your podcast or your blog is only going to help because fresh new content will actually keep the search engines coming back more often and they will index your content or put a copy on Google for people to find more often as well. So that's actually helpful to kind of get in there and change a couple of things around. But if you're changing every single page, you know, changing out colors constantly, I would definitely say tap the brakes and just let it sit for a little while and let Google figure you out.
0: Yeah, that's that's a great reminder. That's something that I never realized. So I appreciate you sharing that. Well, I'd love to hear Now that we know about all of this background stuff and what we need, how do we turn it into this ongoing habit? Because I know you mentioned the blog and how we kind of need that to continue and again, light that fire on top of what we're already doing. So talk to us about how we can do that simply, since I know that's part of your key as well. Absolutely. So
1: I definitely recommend a blog. I'm all about blogging. Love blogs, and it's simply because, as you well know, your website tends to be so salesy, right? I mean, it, it has to be. It's all about your products and your services. That's what it's about. It's about selling. And you may have a freebie on there, but it doesn't really add that authority and that value that a blog will. So I would say at a minimum, if you can, if you can commit to it and be consistent, I would say, ideally you want to blog at least once a month. If you can even more, ideally would be once a week. Some people do more than that, but I I don't think that you need to personally. So blogging once a week or once a month, wherever your consistency lies. And then also at a minimum, I would say check in on your data. So check in on Google analytics. So make sure that's up and running on your site, check in on Google search console. They will both email you reports and Google search console will even email you errors right when they're found, which is amazing. Cause it'll <laughs> be before typically somebody else finds them, which you don't want. So I would check those once a month. And be really clear before you go in about what you're looking for, because they both have a ton of data. And so if you did a bunch of SEO work and you're looking for a boost in your rankings and your organic search traffic, then look there, see how it looks month over month. How are you doing? If you're looking for an increase in conversions, take the time to set up Google Analytics goals where you can set an actual conversion point, maybe it's a thank you page after someone checks out or after they download something. So check out your conversions and you can backtrack where people came from. So you can see, are they coming from social media? Are they coming from my blog? Are they coming from Google? Put more energy and effort to those things that are working or fix the things that are not working so well. Just as a side note, I know I do this and I know a lot of people do this. We keep pushing to try to do the things that are not working even though they're still not working. I think we should all just make a pact to stop doing that and just let go of the things that are not working for us anymore.
0: Yeah. Um, That's the definition of insanity, right? It's like doing the same thing over and over, even when it's not producing different results. Yeah. And I do it too. Yeah. We all go insane multiple times in our journey. (laughs) Yes,
1: Absolutely. So you're blogging, you're checking your data, and then you're going to make changes based on it. So if you know that your top keywords for your conversions are such and such, what can you do to update that keyword on the main pages that it ranks for so that you start moving towards number one? And I would just be really clear and intentional about just making like a few minor tweaks, like two or three. So whether your goal is conversions or more organic search traffic or more eyes on your blog, whatever your ultimate goal is, And the data that supports that, how can you move that needle just a little bit? I would say those are the the biggest things you can do each month. I mean, all of that could
0: take a couple hours. Mm -hmm. I think that is huge and so helpful. And I feel like you've given us so much good information and everybody I know myself included is probably like, So tell us what to do next. (laughs) Either tell us how you can help us and take over this project because I know it is a lot. Obviously, it's your whole area of expertise. It, It takes some knowledge and it's your zone of genius. But talk to us about what that next step of support looks like. I know we've got kind of our checklist of what we could be doing, but tell us about what are other ways that you can support us in this space.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I have an actual checklist of everything that I do for my clients from A to Z, from setting up that good foundation, all the technical stuff you need to know, to going through keywords, to a little bit more detail on like how to find the right keywords and which ones you're looking for, to content creation, to the checklist for checking your data each month. And it's totally free. It's called the ultimate SEO checklist. And I know you'll include the link for that. So grab that. And then if you need a little up level from that, I put together a mini course. It's only $49 and it basically takes you through the checklist because it can get a little technical sometimes. And I recognize that and it's not for all the SEO geeks out there like me. (laughs) And so I literally go through in less than 90 minutes and I just take you down through the checklist and I explain each and everything with screen grabs and I walk you through it quite literally. So that's really helpful. And then if you are a blogger, I actually just opened up my becoming a blog babe, Facebook community, which is really exciting. And it's basically a place for bloggers to gather, to learn. I post tips and tricks there a couple of times a week, and it's just becoming a really cool community for female bloggers to hang out. Super exciting.
0: And for the people who are like, Nikki, please just do this for me. (laughs) Like, I'm at a point in my business where I just like to outsource the things that are not my zone of genius. Can you tell how you can support them as well? Absolutely. Yeah. So I also have one-to-one services where I go
1: in and I overhaul SEO and copywriting and blogging. I have uh, quite a few monthly blogging clients that my team and I handle. So I literally create content for you. It's all optimized. It's all ready for the search engines. And more importantly, it's all conversion friendly for your specific audience, because at the end of the day, I'm not going to create content that isn't conversion focused. And so It's always focused on your specific call to actions and driving towards your specific
0: goals. I think that's so smart and so helpful, especially for you fellow podcasters out there. It seems like this would be a perfect kind of collaboration where you can look at the keywords and say, okay, here are some things to think about for your next season or your next episode. And then you can go record it and then hand it back to you and you can get it on the site and just really make a bigger impact in that way. And I love also too how you've said multiple times because it's the the word in that space, but about the authority that it brings just from, in terms of like Google and things like that. But I love how that goes a level deeper into what I talk about, about creating your movements and building your authority because it really does back the work that you're doing. And so I love how synergistic we are so much. Nikki, this was amazing. I so appreciate it. If you are ready, we can move into rapid fire questions. Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. So I have found in my mompreneurship journey that there are three S's that help me mompreneur with a little bit more ease. Those are strategy, support, and self-care. And I view them kind of like three pillars. And then I'm standing above on a bridge. And when I'm feeling wobbly or unstable, I look down below and I see which one is lower down. And that's the cup that I know I need to fill back up. So my first question for you is, what is your favorite strategy to help you be more present and productive?
1: I think my best strategy for that is to turn off the electronics. I think that it really speaks to the age that we're in, that we all have these electronics. And of course, I can't do my job without them. But I love the idea of just turning everything off and just being together and having that focused, productive time together and that face to face. So I think just having specific on hours and specific off hours, which to our earlier conversation has made me far more productive by having those tight timelines.
0: So it's not just a lagging, like I can be on my computer all day. I have to shut it down. Mm -hmm. I know that that has been so helpful for me too. One day my phone wouldn't charge like with the charging port. And so I ordered just one of those like pad things And it was a game changer because my phone had to stay there for it literally to have battery. And so now I got a watch. I literally, I'm showing it to Nikki. It's just a digital, just like a $20 digital watch. And I've been purposely putting my phone down and then only having the watch because with our kids being young, I need to know what time nap time is or food. And and so I need to know what time it is, but I don't really need my phone when I'm just being with the kids unless I want to snap a quick picture. And so I can totally relate to that. And I think a lot of other mompreneurs feel the same way as well I know Emily said in her episode the same thing about there's the screen on's and screen off and and how can we bridge that gap that is something new that other generations haven't had to deal with yeah I totally agree and I'm gonna have to try that watch idea I love that yeah yeah and my big thing for that too which it took me a while to find one I started with this like Fitbit Lux because and then I just didn't connect it because I didn't want to have like an Apple watch and then have it binging because then it's basically like you have your phone and um the Fitbit didn't work out for me. So then I just got this. It's literally a $20 watch off of Amazon. And it looks pretty and it tells me the date and the time. And that's all. That's all I need. I don't need anything else. It's key. Love it. <laughs> awesome. Well, my next question for you is what is the number one essential support you have that you can't live without?
1: Well, right now we don't have a lot as far as childcare. So definitely my husband. Yeah. I would I honestly for all the single mamas out there, I do not know how you do it. Um, i'm bowing down to you as we speak because
0: i just don't know how you do it <laughs> i agree i've had to solo parent a couple of times in the past couple of weeks and it's like you get used to it but i, I just the, having his support is <laughs> beyond and i am so appreciative of it is he home all day or does he work out of the house No, he has a nine
1: to five job, but I'm calling in the preschool this fall and we just signed up and I am so
0: excited. Oh my gosh. That's going to be so nice. Will it just be, will it be every morning, just short time?
1: Every morning, half day we're going for it, but I am, I'm just so excited for how it's going to up level my business, especially. Having this time to be so focused in those short amount of times, I'm trying to take that in to this, having a little bit more time and a little more space and having longer periods to try to continue to stay focused and on task and move that needle.
0: Yeah. And I don't know about you too, but I feel like the consistency there is key. Like again, the way our schedule is right now, only having two days a week. I rather have the shorter time every single day than longer times, but less days, you know, I think the consistency is key yeah. there, which yeah. plays into everything that we talk about. I know. <laughs> Absolutely. So tell me what's your go-to self-care activity when you have a second for some me time, what is the first thing that you choose to do?
1: I would say the first thing I choose to do is exercise, is workout. I try to move my body in some way every day, but I just love lifting weights. Um, I do tone it up, like the online app, oh, cool. and just do like twenty minutes of working out, and it just totally changes your attitude. And I like to feel strong, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that just totally changes for me. And secondarily to that, I love baths. So I try to do a bath. I have a huge soaker tub and absolutely love it. And so I try to hop in that as often as I can, which is probably like once a
0: month. Oh my, Once a month. Wow. I do. I do like once a day or once a week. Like- I would love it. Yes, I know. I'm such a bath person too. And it's so interesting to hear what people say in this because I've got like my group of us bath ladies who love to be able to just chill and disconnect. And then I have my group of walkers. I've got a lot of walkers of people who want to go out and about, but I don't have many people say that working out is their thing. And so I love hearing that. I love hearing a different one and how it's the lifting weights because it just makes you feel like a boss. And like, that's mm-hmm. what we all want, right? We I just want to feel like, yeah. yeah, like the best version of ourselves. So I think that, that is so cool. Well, Nikki, last but not least, tell me your most stereotypical mompreneur story. Think like kids running through a Zoom call with underwear on their heads. What is a funny story that only us mompreneurs can relate to and be like, yep, yeah, we understand. We've been there.
1: Yeah. Well, I wish I had a really good one. Um, I, I was reading this and I was like, honestly, I have I, I just have to say this. I have been floored at how good my clients are. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always one that would need Zoom calls, like completely silent, Mm -hmm. like nobody around, um, wanted to be like ultra professional, the whole thing. And I've honestly been flabbergasted at how many times my son has, you know, run up to me while I'm in the middle of a call or, you know, needed something or whatever it is. And they're like, oh yeah, totally cool. They love to talk to him. I mean, they love to hang out. They love seeing him. So it's actually a good thing. So I'm just amazed and so thankful for my amazing clients who are people. So of course- I mean, most people love kids, or most people have kids, and so they understand, um, and and I think they appreciate it that much more. But my the the one thing that has happened is, um, you know, the poop story, right? Is in the middle of the Zoom call, like, "Mommy, I pooped," and then I have to do the diaper change while still talking on Zoom, and like, "Hold on, guys, I'm just gonna shut this down." And it was a brand new client, and they were really cool about it, but yeah. I had like my phone down on the changing table and just like hoping nothing traveled too far right. <laughs> um, so kind of love it
0: oh my gosh I love it were you like on a group call or was it just on oh, yeah. one yeah okay so it was a group,
1: group, group so. call but I was leading it so I had to be you know kind of in it so yeah super fun
0: yeah like, this a, is
1: multitasking
0: yeah welcome to mom life and put air pods in I feel like that's a new amazing part of mompreneurship is that you can like throw the airpods in and then do whatever you need to do. And it kind of contains things a little bit more. I think that's a key as well. (laughs) 100% got to have the airpods. Yes. Oh, Nikki, I just loved our conversation. I feel like we've all learned so much on how we can uplevel in our business by using a new tool that maybe we've dabbled in, maybe we've been avoiding, but now you've given us no excuse not to get it started. And so I so appreciate your expertise and your time in sharing about SEO and blogging with us.
1: Thank you so much, Megan. I really appreciate this. It was so fun to be here with you.
0: You're the best. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Want more? Make sure you subscribe and review so you don't miss a thing. Ready to become more self-assured and grounded and get that strategy support and self-care that you need to be the best mompreneur that you can be? Make sure you click the link below so that you can apply for our upcoming retreat.